0: Welcome to another edition of Health Kick, I'm Tim Borum. Well, when a footy player cops a hard knock, the usual way of measuring concussion is to count the coach's fingers. Ten's good, but even eight or nine of them will do if the uh, player is uh, indispensable and has to go back on the field. Well, that's how it worked in the past anyway. But as almost anyone involved in contact sports now knows, concussion management has radically changed. Uh, It's been taken much more seriously, with improved research showing the ongoing health effects of repeated blows to the head. Uh, If that's not enough, uh, U.S. sporting bodies such as the NFL are being sued by past players. Uh, In fact, the league recently settled for half a billion dollars, uh, and we're seeing some uh, big ticket litigation emerging here as well. Uh, Locally, uh, other players are retiring early on doctor's advice such as the Sydney Roosters' Boyd Cordner, uh, Collingwood's uh, Levi Greenwood, and West Coast Eagles' Daniel Venables. Um, So there's a problem there, uh, but enter the recently ASX-listed HitIQ, which has got a solution to the problem. A sensor-based smart mouth guard to measure the impact of head contact in real time. I've got HitIQ's uh, Chief Executive Mike Vega with me to tell us more. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim.
0: Thanks for coming. Now, um, uh, a great idea. So, so whose idea was it? I mean, why didn't uh, someone think of this this earlier?
1: <laughs> Good question. Um, so, I'm, I'm a co-founder of HitIQ. Um, so, to, to give you a bit of context in, in terms of how HitIQ came about, was um, I, I had a lot of experience um, in the US in my sort of early twenties and um, through the collegiate um, Education and sporting system there, um, and that was sort of my first exposure to um, you know this problem in the early two thousands, which was really emerging at that stage, which was concussion. Um, so you know with American football and so forth, and it was bubbling away at that time. And you know post my my time in the US, I, I came back to to Australia and, and sort of uh, forged a career in sports science and. and was working with the australian institute of sport and a few professional football teams and and again sort of that that issue w- was was really reinforced um through my experience um in terms of how poorly concussion was managed and the the, no- the noise around the issue was really growing um and, and at this time sort of in the the early sort of team 2011 and 12 and, you know, it was becoming a, a real issue um, and the awareness and the research was starting to support um, what people were seeing in the field. Um, and I was part of that, obviously, and um, sort of through, through that time, I was approached through a, a really good friend, well, my best friend at the time, who uh, who is a dental prosthetist and he his idea was to, to, to start a, a mouth guard manufacturing company. Um, so with my networks in sort of elite sport and and his expertise in manufacturing, uh, it seemed like a, a pretty good synergy and, and it was. So we we went down the path of of sort of building a, a company around custom mouthguards um, for community based sport. And at that time it was a, it was a it was a side hustle, but the genesis genesis of Hit IQ was really around my experience in elite sport and then my my experience in manufacturing mouthguards where I thought, well, let's let's experiment putting sensors in mouthguards um, and start to put some objective measures around what the athletes are actually experiencing in the field in terms of impact. So that that's the background on on, on how HitIQ um, sort of came to fruition.
0: Yeah, terrific. Um, so, um, d- describe the mouthguard or, or the product itself. It's called a Nexus A9 sensor, isn't it? That, that's the, uh, the formal name.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, what we've done is we've embedded a, a number of sensors um, inside the mouthguard, um, and we collect fifteen thousand data points per second. So, it's a, it's a very sensitive, high-resolution um, technology. Uh, And and basically it it, it embeds into the mouth guard and the mouth guard looks, feels and fits like a a normal custom fit mouth guard. So the athletes um, largely, they don't don't know that they, they know obviously that they're wearing a, a, you know, a sensor mouth guard, but in terms of um, feel and comfort, they they can't tell the difference between our guard and a normal custom device. So, and that's really important in terms of adoption and so forth. So, um, so yeah, the guard—the guard's a very sensitive tool to be able to uh, quantify impact load, and we've—we've and we've got the most accurate tool in the market.
0: Yeah, okay. And so, so the idea of it obviously is not to uh, avoid concussion per se, because it, it can't do that. But um, it'll um, measure the uh, cumulative effect of uh, of hits um, over time. So um, uh, if the uh, if the players really uh, copped. Uh, one too many, um, you can uh, subjectively tell that that's the case.
1: Objectively, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Objectively, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, that's, 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 that's the, that is the um, general background to it. I mean, when you look at the data, you know, you've got five to 10% of concussions that result in unconsciousness. So 90% of the time, concussions don't present you know, typically how people think they present, which is someone laying on the ground unconscious. Yeah. You know, they're still able to get up, run around and and they look okay, but they're running around with a brain injury. So having a tool to be able to quantify and record and identify significant impact events, which are traditionally pretty hard to do subjectively or observationally, um, that's the first step in building a, a better care model. So. <clears throat> That's that's really the the thesis around this technology.
0: Yeah, and Mike, does the um, does a device replace tests such as the Cog State test, which, which is sort of done on the spot?
1: No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, I, and the sort of answer to that question is is multifaceted in in, in terms of this technology just better refines that process uh, and better better assist the medico with a another objective data set that will that will result in a better assessment um but you know we are also working and look we see ourselves as as a multi-technology platform um sort of an ecosystem of products that's going to sort of refine re- redefine the, the care model um so we're, we're also working on some virtual reality technology that will play in the assessment um space so we can have an integrated data approach from you know point of impact and and sort of quantifying that impact into then better, better quantifying an, an assessment protocol so um, at the moment what we do for the medico the medico um, is is give them more surety on what's actually been exposed to the athlete and that better that better refines that assessment protocol that they currently use
0: yeah okay okay and what's the uh, what's the extent of the problem here in terms of uh, in terms of emerging uh, Litigation. Um, I, I mean, I know the the, the AFL's onto it. Uh, I think they're propose, proposing a trust for um, for, for past players uh, to, to compensate for, for concussion. So, I mean, it's certainly the whole issue's on the agenda, isn't it?
1: Yeah, massively. And look, it, it's hard. It's hard for a number of reasons. It, it's it's a, it's traditionally been a very complex uh, problem, um, which you know now technology such as ours make it a bit easier and, and will continue to make it um, a, a, an objective data-driven solution to the problem. But the issue at the moment is that, that, you know, the practitioners are operating without any data and it's all gut feel and And what what comes of that is uncertainty um, and, and, and flaws in the system. And that's what these codes are experiencing um, is that they don't know how to best manage this problem and the care model associated with it is, is really flawed so you're going to have athletes who slip through the cracks and don't get cared for as they should so yeah it's a it's a massive problem in terms of liability and, and obviously the emerging litigation you know that's that's really starting to bubble away so um, you know these codes really have to start putting in best practice and, and these new you know adopting these new technologies to, to better implement a care model
0: and I presume your comments relate just as much to amateur sport as professional sport in terms of uh, a, a duty of care towards players.
1: Yeah, well, it all starts at the pro level. And and, and largely what happens is that the communities adopt as much as they can as, as they can from from their um, professional pathways. So, you know, whatever whatever care model that rugby league use, you know, those, those grassroots channels are going to use the same. Um, but, you know, that's been implemented by somebody who's not a professional. So, you know, you've got team managers and you've got, you know, mums and dads doing their best, but ultimately it's not working. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's a big problem to address because, you know, participation and, you know, people, you know, parents don't want their kids playing sports where they think they're getting brain damage, and that's fair enough. But bringing, bringing technologies and data to the table which is going to bring certainty, you know that that sort of dismantles the fear associated with it at the moment, and um, I think there's there's still a lot of work to do, but I think we're trending in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, what sort of do the addressable markets uh, uh, look like, uh, Mike, in terms of both the uh, professional and amateur markets? Yeah.
1: Look, there's there's about five hundred thousand athletes that we would classify as professional based. Uh, or elite-based athletes that, who yes. play contact sport globally. Um, but the, the consumer market is obviously a huge market um, where there's, you know, there's approximately 11 million players across those key contact sports. So, you know, there's a lot of blue sky in that consumer model um, for us, but, you know, our strategy is largely based around really getting penetration and adoption at the elite level and then sort of waterfalling that down into the community pathway. So, um yeah, although the the elite market or the elite segment is is sort of much more refined, it's, it plays a really important part of our stra- overall strategy.
0: And and what's the revenue model, uh, Mike? I, I, I presume uh, we're sort of talking about a subscription software as a service or mouth yeah, as a service yeah. model.
1: No, no, we're a data, we're a data company, so it's it's yeah. absolutely yeah, absolutely that SaaS driven model. So, um, you know, the hardware. Does its job and, and provides that data, but yeah, that's that's where the value lies. So, yeah, we're absolutely a data company, and, and that SaaS model really is going to drive our, our sort of revenue market or a commercialisation strategy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, in terms of in, in terms of cost, what uh, what would uh, the uh, clubs or the um, leagues be looking at?
1: Yeah. So look, we're we're working through that now. I mean, you know, we've got our, our sort of our first customer is the AFL, so we've done a league-wide deal with the AFL, multi-year league-wide deal with the AFL. So there's, you know, nine hundred athletes there, and um, we've got trials underway with, you know, based almost every single major sporting code in in, in the world. So, um, you know, we think the price point per athlete per year is going to land, you know, somewhere in between eight hundred to a thousand bucks um, per athlete per year. So. Um, and, and there's room to grow on that as as our sort of technology suite grows as well. So that, you know that's we think it's a uh, and there's a lot of margin in that for us as well. Um, so yeah, we think it's we think it's quite an attractive price point. Um, you know, not only for our shareholders but uh, for the codes as well. It's you know it's a small price to pay in terms of implementing best in class technology. So um, you know just by adopting our technology, there's you know. There's a lot of cost benefit to them on the front end from you know insurance perspectives and so forth. So um, yeah, we think it's we think it's going to be a well received price point.
0: Has any club or league uh, mandated usage of it yet?
1: No, not yet, not yet. But but we see you know internally you know we we sort of see that's the way it's going to trend. Um, so you know the way the AFL is operated is they've purchased the technology on behalf of every player in the competition, um, and it's not. It's not mandated per se but you know the athletes have the choice to to use the technology um but the afl in effect has has purchased the technology on behalf of every player yeah
0: okay okay you've got tie-ups with uh rugby as well
1: yeah that's right so rugby rugby australia have have come on and, and are doing the due diligence on the technology at the moment so we're doing a trial up in queensland with with rugby australia and so yeah we're you know we're very optimistic that Something will, will come from that, so they're you know they're on the train as well, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. And I presume that uh, um, you're focusing uh, on the football codes, the rugby, the Aussie rules, a- a- and the American football. Uh, I guess I guess they're the main uh, sources of concussed players, apart from boxing, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Largely. I mean, look, you've got ice hockey, which is a, which is a really um, which has higher high participation rates um, in North America and, and Europe. So that's a big sport for us as well. Look, we've got a trial with the UFC at the moment. So, you know, contact sports is, is obviously really big for us as well. Um, but, yeah, look, the numbers are really based in American football, um, in the collegiate system. You know, there's, there's 100,000 athletes there. And, um, you know, that's, that's going to be our key target market in the next sort of 12 months.
0: Yeah, OK. OK. And and what does your um, uh, IP uh, so, sort of actually consist of? Because I, I presume the mouth guards themselves are, you know, basically just, just mouth guards. So it, it's the data side, it's the sensors and the um, the connectivity and the, the way the data is stored.
1: Yeah, look, we, we've we got a lot of IP and some of it is patent based and, and you know, the processes in terms of how we um, Derive the data, manage the data. Um, some of it's design-based in terms of how we've designed the hardware, um, and and a lot of our IPs, you know, is is in our algorithms and, and how and you know how we get accurate data and and so forth. So you know, there's a lot of trade secret there as well. Um, we don't want a lot. Of, we don't want our algorithms in the public domain. So um, yeah, so there's there's you know, it's it's multifaceted our sort of IP strategy and portfolio, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's growing too. So we're we're starting to we're starting to build a, quite a considerable um, IP portfolio.
0: Yeah. Okay. Does anyone else have a similar product uh, anywhere around the world?
1: Oh, look, there's a couple of groups um, globally, I suppose, that are, are having a crack. Um, look, it's a difficult space to enter, and and the reason the reason why is because you you need proficiency in so many different areas. So you know you need to be proficient in manufacturing. You've got to have good data science. You've got to have software engineers, hardware engineers, firmware engineers. And then once you actually build a product, you've got to get out there and actually collect good data, um, which is really difficult to do. So, you know, there's a lot of barriers to entry. So the competitive landscape's um, quite small. Um, so there's a real opportunity for us um, to sort of, you know, be first movers and, and you know, and, take this thing to market and get some really good adoption. So, um, but it, the issue with this, you know, I spoke earlier about the complexity of concussion uh, and the injury is that it's such a, it, it, the complexity has led to the industry being quite fragmented. There's a lot of people in the space doing, you know, quite siloed, taking quite a siloed approach in terms of, you know, some are playing in the assessment space, some are playing in the diagnostics, some are playing in the, you um, where we are in terms of the surveillance and impact detection but i think our strategy really there's not you know there's no peers uh where we're taking an end-to-end strategy uh approach to our strategies so we're building you know impact detection we're building assessment we're going to be building a diagnostic in the form of a virtual reality um testing protocol so from our view that's the only way to build a robust large company in this space that's going to actually have an end-to-end solution. And I think, um, you know, in terms of that stance, there's nobody taking that approach. So um, we're really bullish on that strategy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, you listed uh, in mid-June, I think you um, raised uh, $10 million. I I presume the funds will be uh, deployed for, you know, marketing and and general uh, product development.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, getting some presence in our key jurisdictions, you know, the, the UK, Europe, and the US. Um, getting a sales infrastructure um, onboarded there is going to be really important. So there's a there's a fair bit of use of funds there, and and, and I've, I've sort of referenced the virtual reality technology um, a little bit. So that's a significant line item um, for us in terms of validating that technology. And there's going to be some clinical validation requirement and regulatory implications there. So um, that's that's another key expense item. So, you know, there there are two main areas of focus uh, in the next sort of twelve to eighteen months.
0: Okay. And in terms of offshore markets, uh, is the US your key priority?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's the largest market uh, for us. So yeah, that's gonna there's gonna be a, a real big focus on that market for us. And yeah. and, and, and I think with what the, the model that we've sort of demonstrated here with the AFL. You know the blueprints there now, so we want to take that. We want to take that overseas and, and get that adoption overseas.
0: And and you, you'll use a uh, distributor model from from the sounds of it.
1: No, no, we'll put we'll, we'll have do our do own so? people on the ground. Yeah, um, you know, there's it's quite a complex technology, so it, re- it requires um, some really strong know-how and and in terms of how to sell uh, this technology and its value proposition. So um, yeah, we'll build an in-house. Um, sales and marketing team around that. Yeah,
0: okay, okay. And how many, um, how many devices have, have you sold to date, uh, roughly speaking?
1: Yeah, so our first customer is the AFL. So we've, we've done 900 units to those guys. Um, we've got another couple of thousand units out in play at the moment um, in, in an assessment trial um, environment. So look, we hope to convert a lot of those into paying customers um, or mo- if not all of those into paying customers over the next 12 months. So yeah, we're projecting some, some some reasonable volumes of units out there in the next twelve months.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. And your, your share price to date, it's um, uh, it, it's been a bit uh, knocked around. It it it's not uh it, it's not knocked out, but it's been a um it's been a sort of a a bit soft. So I, I'm just wondering what investors uh, uh, should, should look out for in terms of uh, news flow.
1: Yeah, well, as I've sort of alluded to, we've we've got a lot of activity out in the market, um, and and I think a lot of that's going to convert to really strong commercial outcomes uh, in the next twelve months. So, um, and as I said, I think there's there's a real greenfield opportunity out there in this market. There's a lot of key drivers in terms of, you know, what's what's gonna what's gonna get scale what's gonna create scale for this product category, and there's a lot of drivers around that. Um, in terms of player welfare, there's you know compliance issues, there's litigation issues. So, I think you know the hand the hands of these codes is really going to be forced in many ways, and I think we're in a really strong position to capitalise on that. So, um, yeah, I think I think news flow is going to be strong, and, and I think we're our, you know where our share price sits today, I think we're really cheaply valued. So, I think there's a lot of opportunity for sort of incoming shareholders to to get a lot of value out of HitIQ. and um, and look, I think one thing that we've always done is we've delivered to, to strategy um, historically. So, you know, we've got a great team in place. There's a high level of confidence in execution around our team. And, um, yeah, we look forward to a really strong 12 months.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, terrific. That sounds great. So um, great, great to chat and good luck in uh, becoming the uh, standard of care across all the uh, relevant uh, contact sports.
1: I appreciate your time, Tim.
0: Thanks, Mike.